of the Warrior Podcast, where we discuss the warrior spirit in a modern-day world. And joining me is Andrea, KGB Lee, uh, pro MMA fighter for Invicta and pro Muay Thai fighter, who's also um, trained in the Muay Thai University as a crew. Andrea, welcome to the show. Well, it's very nice to be on the show tonight. Thank you for having me as your book. Yeah, I'm glad, glad, glad that you can make the time out of your busy schedule. I know that you are in the middle of a fight camp right now, right? Yes, I am. Getting ready for my fight on Invicta 14, September 12th. Uh, who are you fighting? Um, Rachel Ostrovich from Hawaii. This is um, how many fights with Invicta now? This will be my third fight, actually. Okay. And um, you are coming off of a Muay Thai fight just recently as well? Kickboxing. I had a legacy kickboxing bout, um, and it was my pro. I made my pro debut with them, and I won against one of the top ten fighters in the world, um, Lindsay Marino. So that was a very exciting win for me. Good deal. Um, So let's talk about how you got into fighting in the first place. What brought you to... Uh, this sport, and um, let's talk a little bit about that. Well, I, I've always been a tomboy, and I guess that's the way, you know, probably most girls in the sport um, start their story. But um, I grew up, in, you know, watching martial arts on TV, watching cool kick-ass movies and uh, cartoons, you know, such as Dragon Ball Z. For some reason, it seems like everybody's inspired by Dragon Ball Z. I just so happen to be one of them. <laughs> but, uh, the nerds. Huh? Welcome to the nerds. Oh, yes, I know. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't really been, I haven't really spoke about Dragon Ball Z. I normally say, like, cartoons. Um, I guess I'll just go ahead and admit it. You know, I'm not trying to, like, be like everybody else, but, uh, <laughs> you know. I mean, who didn't ever, who didn't want to be a Super Saiyan? Just saying. I'm, I'm still working on it to this day. I'm still working on it. Do what? I'm still working on it to this day. It's half the reason I run into these uh, Spartan races because I'm pretending to be a GI Joe action figure. So. Oh really? So that was that was your influence right there with GI yeah. Joes. Yep, yep. So you were a Dragon Ball Z, and you're looking to be a female Super Saiyan. I see. Uh, well, I think I think that Ronda Rousey beat me to it. She's she's got all the I don't know. Everybody's done made a little videos of her looking like a super saiyan i've seen it online it's really neat the the um <laughs> these genius video makers i don't know how they how they do it their little gifs that they come out with but um anyway back to the topic i i you know i, I, I was influenced by uh martial arts movies and even some uh martial art animations and it's just always been something that i was intrigued by I just never had the opportunity to to uh, join a martial arts gym school near me because, you know, I, I grew up in a small town. Who, they didn't have anything like that. Um, so once I, once I grew up and I graduated from high school and I moved here to Shreveport where I live now, I uh, started seeing advertisements for a lot of local, like, boxing gyms and kickboxing and uh, even karate, and, you know, I was like, I, I, in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't want a traditional karate school, because I didn't want to learn, I didn't want to do forms and, you know, not really learn how to punch correctly, you know, I didn't want to do, like, tip-tapping kind of stuff, like, you know, some karate schools are, like the, uh, I'm not going to name any, any names, you know, but I just, I wanted something that was real physical, 
uh, would actually teach me a lot. And, and then I started working at a sports bar nearby, and they were airing, like, the UFC fights all the time. So once I saw that, I was like, that's what I want to do. I'm looking for something that, that teaches me that. And uh, then I had some friends at the local sports bar that happened to, happened to be training and doing martial arts, and they had some cage fights coming up. And I'm like, oh, really? You're going to do your, your cage fighting? Like, they lock you in a cage? And I'm like, that sounds really neat. Um, so how do you get into that? And then I just started asking around, and that's when I found Donnie. And he got me into boxing, which slowly got me into, you know, kickboxing and MMA and Muay Thai. So that was that was the road that I took to get me to where I am today. So interesting that your first experience was actually mixed martial arts, and then you started putting the pieces together because, you know, we're coming into an, an era where, um, when, when I first started with this, you learned about one martial art. You learned about Muay Thai or kickboxing or karate. And then this UFC thing came out, which was like basically pit fighting at the time. But you actually had the experience of seeing the UFC firsthand as it was, and then that was your, um, that was your first exposure, and that's what kind of led you to wanting to do this work. Yes. Well, yes, yes, it is exactly what led me to want to do the sport. So, I mean, like, I had initially MMA was something that I wanted to do. I mean, I never thought that I would be doing it as a career. Angry? Mm. Yep, uh, you're getting me dressed dirty. Sorry. Fine. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, and at first, you know, I just thought that it was just going to be a little hobby and I was going to compete here and there and uh, just, you know, see if I liked it and see if I could be good at it. And uh, once I started competing in boxing, you know, it was like one thing led to the next. And, and then we, you know, we were talking about going training, training to go to the Olympics for boxing. And then it went from that to, uh, you know, we should just try to take our our step into MMA because that's where, uh, you know, a true career for me would, would be instead of boxing because boxing's not that big of a deal anymore, it seems. You know, especially for women. It's really hard. Yeah, it's exactly the opposite. Like, in order to make money for men, you know, boxing is really where the money still is, whereas now it seems that it's exactly the opposite for females. Like, boxing is kind of a dead sport, but rising sports for female fighters. It is, and it's it's getting bigger and bigger. Uh, More and more women are, are more and more interested in MMA and competing. And, and, you know, I mean, they see, you know, it's not just, you don't have to be a girl that looks like a guy to do this sport. I mean, you can be attractive and kick ass at the same time. That's great. That's great. It's got to be pretty uh, fulfilling to have all these um, female as well as male fans. Do you get a pretty mixed um, bag of fans? I do. Um, I have a lot of female fans. And, of course, I have a lot of guy friends, you know. Um, there's a lot of men that love women's MMA. But, I mean, also, there's the opposite. You know, there's a lot of men that think that women don't belong in MMA. But, you know, uh, we just keep proving them wrong. <laughs> so we've, we've been doing that um, all our lives, it seems. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the struggle still continues, right? Yes. <laughs> But you're pioneering a way for uh, female athletics in general. I think that it's um, it's interesting. I wanted to talk to you about the 
the impact of like a Ronda Rousey to your career because that's that has to have changed things in the last few years. Mm-hmm. It has. Um, you know, I mean, I've, before I knew who Ronda Rousey was, I was already competing in MMA. And, um, of course, then, you know, we were, the dreams of going to the UFC were very slim because all you would hear was how Dana was not going to have women at the UFC. And then, um, so, you know, Strike Force or... Um, uh, crap. You know, Strike Force and let's see. I'm having I'm I'm having a moment. I can't think of that other the other promotion. It's Bellator that's out now. Bellator, yes. I knew it was. I knew it was Bellator. It's just my my brain was not like working there for a second. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's just Strike Force and Bellator. It seemed like you know that uh, the women had the opportunity of of, of competing in. And then, you know, Ronda Rousey comes out of nowhere and, bam, women are in the UFC, or at least the 135ers are. But, you know, that gives everyone else hope, too, you know, that we would, you know, that soon they're going to be opening up other divisions for the uh, other weight classes for women. And, you know, it gives our career, like, a a bigger door, you know, for for this, for for MMA. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed any uh, negative backlash as a result of her popularity as far as you, your career? Negative backlash? Yeah, has there been any, like, like obstacles that have presented themselves as a result of um, all this attention on this one one figure? Because there seems there's a lot of attention on Ronda Rousey right now, not only in yeah. outside of it. I, I mean, I think, I mean, I don't think it's too bad, but, I mean, you know, Ronda Rousey is, the icon for women MMA, and you know, anytime that anyone th- talks about women's MMA, you know, Ronda Rousey's name gets brought up, and uh, you know, it's a big deal on who who can beat Ronda Rousey. Um, and also, I guess the only the negative thing for for me would be my weight class because I'm a 125er, and um, obviously they're not planning on opening up the 125 division anytime soon because most of the 135ers in the in Ronda are in Ronda Rousey's weight class are actually true 125ers. So I feel like um, all the 125ers are either like cutting down to 115 to be in the UFC or they're going up to 135 to be in the UFC. So I just feel that if they open up the 125 weight class anytime soon, that a lot of like Ronda Rousey's uh, potential opponents would run to 125. Mm. You know, so I think that that would probably like send out the 135 weight class division. So that's the only, I think that's a big downside for me. Uh, you know, that's, that's a big negative. It but, doesn't work in my favor because <laughs> I'm a true 125 or I can't cut down to 115. And I, I mean, I'm not big enough to fight at 135. You're, you're hovering uh, right where you're supposed to be fighting right now. Your optimal weight. Yes. I'm, I'm just the right. I'm, I'm big enough. At 125. Right. Do you have a pretty um, hard weight cut, or is it you have that down pretty easy now? Well, I do. I mean, I'm starting to get it down to where, you know, the weight cut is a science. So once you figure out your body, you know, it it seems to be a lot easier, at least for me anyway. Because normally my struggle is getting past 140. So if I can get down past 140, once I get to, like, 139, 
and I feel good. I, like my weight will start coming off the way that I need it to. Um, but but normally just getting under 140 is, is my struggle. So I, I cut a lot of girls probably like in my weight class, my 15 pounds. I normally cut 20 or a little over. So. Oh, that's impressive. It's yeah. And then I don't really cut, I don't cut too far out either. Like I, you know, I want to, I, and like the last 15 pounds, I don't cut that. I don't start cutting, um, all that out until like maybe a week and a half out. Mm. A week and a half out. Wow. Yeah. And so if anyone, uh, anyone who's ever been in the sport will know that like there's this, and maybe you can clear this up for me. There's this misnomer about, weight cutting for men versus women, um, is it more difficult for a female fighter to cut the water weight than a male fighter? I think so. I think it's much difficult. I don't, I mean, I, I don't know the science behind it, and I can't explain it. Donnie can explain it. He, he's got it down. Um, it's just harder for women. I, I guess we were, you know, because we hold more water than men do. And mm. men for some reason, are able to just, I don't know how they do it, but they can cut out so much in, like, one day sitting in the sauna. And for us, you know, it's, I mean, because you got guys that can cut, like, 30 pounds or more, you know. I know, I know guys that have cut, cut more than that. I don't know how they do it, but they do. But most girls can't even cut 20 pounds, you know. Like, 15 is is a lot for a girl. Yeah, that's a huge cut. So that takes a lot of... Uh a lot of science and a lot of discipline on your end to be able to get down to that. Yeah. You have to do a lot of water loading, drinking a lot of water before the fight. Leading up, you know, throughout the whole fight camp, it can't just be like, you know, you're two weeks out and then you start water loading. It's, you know, you're supposed to do it like your whole fight camp. Mm. Tricks your, your, trick your body into thinking it's like, you know, like if you drink like a whole gallon of water, that's eight pounds. So if you're drinking that consistently, then you have like eight pounds of water that you got to cut. And it's like, it's, you know, it's going to come out, it's going to come off really easily. Or if you're drinking two gallons, it's 16 pounds of water that you got to cut. And like, it's just, it's just water, you know, it'll come off. So you, you're, most people know you as a striker, uh, kickbox, boxer. um, But you have quite a well-rounded game that I think is is underrated. Do you? I think so. Yeah, I've, I've watched your, your. I've actually grappled with you, so I know like you're, you're <laughs> <laughs> the most surprising blue belt I've ever rolled with. <laughs> are, you still, are you still blue? I am. I am. I'm, I'm uh, three stripes, and I think I'll be getting my four stripes soon. But I'm not trying to rush it because I feel like, you know, there's still some things that I need to learn before I get my purple belt. I'm just. I'm just like that. I don't want to be given something. You know? I feel like I really, really need to earn it. I'm, maybe I have earned it, but I feel like I still need to uh, hold out just a little bit longer. You know, there's some things that I can learn that I can that I can make that I can perfect. You know, well, I want to. I want to. I want to know in my heart that I earned it. You know. Well, absolutely, absolutely. There's a lot to be said for that. But in the fight culture, um, you see a lot of people being given black belts in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu without actually even rolling in the gi. Um, and, and I know that you roll in the gi. You train in it pretty pretty regularly. And I yeah. remember watching your fight with Roxanne Motafari, who is a world-class um, mm-hmm. 
expert, and you held your own with her, which was pretty impressive. Thank you. I, you know, I felt like that. I did have a lot to be happy about. I mean, I, I know that I feel like if I had been feeling better that night, if, if things hadn't of if things prior to the fight hadn't of uh, put me in the situation that I was in, you know, it injured me to where I, I wasn't my hundred percent. I mean, not that you're ever a hundred percent, but even if I was like eighty percent, that would have been awesome. But it wasn't. I just, I feel like I would have done so much better, you know. And I'm not taking anything away from her. I just, I just feel like my strength would have been there. I, I would have been a better fighter, and, and maybe things would have gone differently. Maybe not. But either way, I still was impressed. I was able to uh, defend a lot of the things that she was throwing at me, and I was able to get back to my feet a lot of the times too. I just, I just, you know, I remember parts of that fight <laughs> and I remember I remember being on my back and working and getting back to half guard and then working up you know the sweep from there and and you know I just there's some things in that fight that I'm like yes you know I'm glad that I you know I worked on that right before the fight and I was able to um I was I was able to execute it and during the fight so you know even though I lost there was a lot of things that I learned so mm. what injury there's a lot of things to be proud of hmm Sorry, what injury did you have going into the fight? A ruptured eardrum, and we were training, like, just a few days. We were drilling and doing some light. We're supposed to be doing some light tech sparring, and I got caught with a hook. It was just a little bit too hard, and it was on my, my right ear, and it ended up, you know, being such a, like, solid, it was just a solid punch, like, just directly on my ear. It ruptured my eardrum. And uh, caused me caused it to get infected, which caused me to have an ear infection and um, also a fever, but not a fight, which really sucked. But I wasn't going to back out. Backing out is not my thing. And I already had a lot of people there that were excited to see me fight. And I wasn't going to let Roxanne down because she already had another opponent that she, you know, that, I mean, I was the replacement. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to back out like at weigh-ins or the night of the fight that just would have been terrible I would rather lose than back out so I wasn't going to do that and anyone who's listening to the podcast that the whole the whole theme of the podcast is embracing the the warrior spirit and something we talk about is like the difference between being a fighter and a warrior And um, a fighter basically trains for fights and a warrior embraces the fight and anything and everything they do so that's a very warrior mindset to go, you know, I'm not 100%, but one thing I don't do is back out. I always show up to the fight regardless. It's, uh, it's very commendable. Oh, thank you. I didn't think about it like that, but I, I like that. I like that. I like the way you think about it. <laughs> well, the, and so thinking of that, you're, you're, you're becoming quite a role model in uh, the community, but more importantly, you are a role model to an amazing daughter. I am. Tell us about her a little bit. How old is she? She's four. Um, her name's Ainsley. She is obviously a lot of my life. I just I enjoy being around her all the time. You know, if I get to, I'm happy with the time that we get to spend with each other. I'm constantly training, so I mean, I don't always get to uh, take her and do, do all the, the things that she wants to do, but whenever I have the opportunity, you know, I'm, I'm playing with her constantly and she's always at the gym with us. She's always seeing us fight and train and, um, of course she would, she would rather us, you know, 
play with her all the time. You know, she's that age, and that's all she wants to do is play. But I think that, you know, the older she gets, the more she's going to understand, and, you know, she's going to continue to look up to me. And, you know, who knows? Hopefully she'll want to do it. I would like her to. I'd like her to get into it and want to train and, um, you know, see how far she could take it. She's an extremely athletic little girl. I mean, she is so tall for her age. And, I mean, she just, she's, she's so competitive with, with any, any other kid that she's around. You know, she's, and she's always, always trying to challenge herself. And, I mean, she, she, she started swimming at three. I mean, she, she wasn't even three yet. She, she just, she was determined. She wanted to, she wanted to learn how to swim. And she started, she wouldn't stop. And she wouldn't even let me, me get out of the pool. She was like, no, we're going to, I want to try it just one more time, one more time. And she kept trying and trying and trying until she finally started swimming. And then she's like, swimming like fish. So, I mean, she's just one of those kids that just, she's just, she just won't give up. So, I mean, I, I enjoy her and I, I admire her and, you know, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see if she wants to fight. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's already, she's already got that, that spirit in her, um, and I'm sure seeing you work work hard actually has a a big effect on her. I think so. I'm always telling her not to not to quit or give up or say I can't, you know, because you know sometimes she's like, "We can't do it," and I'm like, "No, and you don't say that. If you can, you can do it." And she'll keep trying, and then she'll get it, and then you know, and once she gets it, she's got it. Mm. So. so the the influence expands outside of her i'm i'm looking at your career and i'm looking at how many uh young girls and young females are starting to look at mixed martial arts and look at athletics uh differently how does that influence your your career and your training knowing that you have these uh these young watchful eyes on you um well i mean it just you know motivates me and inspires me you know i want to be a good role model um, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want people to look at me as a bad person or somebody that's always like trying to pick fights through social media and uh, I'm not a bully and I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be one of those fighters that just like talks crap about another fight or another fighter just, just because, you know, I, I can I know there's a lot of fighters that like love social media and they love to bully on social media. And I don't agree with that. I think that's retarded. I think it's just, I think it's so stupid to to even engage in that. Like leading up to my fight, I don't, I don't. I mean, I'm on social media, but I don't read all the comments and see what either she or what other people are saying because I don't like. I don't want it to get under. I won't want it to get under my skin. I'm not going to engage in that. I don't. I don't care what's being said. You know, I just. Once that door closes and the bell rings, that's that's all that matters. You know, that's where you know you let the the talking do its work. Mm. So I don't want to be, you know, and I, and I think that that's a, a good role model. You know, somebody that's you know not being a bully. You know, I'm not a bully. Yeah, I'm not but... trying to turn this whole conversation. I mean, this whole interview into like anti-bullying. That's not what I'm trying to do. I just <laughs> One thing that I know that people look up for me to up to me for is because I am a nice person and that I, I'm always I'm always nice to, to anybody. I mean, 
you know, the less, the less fortunate people. And also, um, you know, the, the, even the strange people online, you know, those strange fans that will send you, send us messages and just ask the same thing over and over and over again until I finally get a response, you know, and, and I, I, I will engage in conversation, you know, to, to anybody that sends me a message normally. Like I'm, I'm just that type of person, you know, I'm always saying thank you. Somebody reached out to me and says, you're so pretty. I love uh, you're, you know, you're amazing. I love the way you fight, you know, and I get a lot of those messages and I respond to every single one of them. At least I try to, you know, I always try to say thank you because those are my fans. And if I, if I don't respond, then I feel like, you know, they'll think that I'm a, a biatch or something or I'm too good and I'm not. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be very challenging. Um, the higher you move up in the ranks to stay personal and stay engaged, um, and, and not lose your own personal time. As I can get time-consuming, I, I, I assume um, mm-hmm. that being at that level. But, but it's good to hear that you're that you engage with them as, as much as you can. I, I do, and I do try, and it does get time-consuming. It can be. It may take me months to like respond, but I do eventually respond. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, um. This is a, a subject that, that's come up quite a bit in, in in athletics in general, but not but particularly in mixed martial arts, and that's the the idea of of sexuality and how, and, the, and what it plays in, in MMA. So you see, like for instance, you know Ronda Rousey is on the um, cover of uh, Sports Illustrated. Mm-hmm. Um, Tate has 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 shown quite a bit of you know, provocative like pictures and whatnot. You have some very tasteful. <laughs> lots of pictures on like Instagram and things like that. And I, I wanted to get your a female's perspective on the role that it plays. Because, I mean, my opinion, of course, sexuality is just a part of, of the of, of humanity. It's, it's just a part mm-hmm. of what, something to be shied, shied away from. But, of course, people have their opinion about it. And so I'd like to get the opinion from an actual pro athlete in the female uh, mixed martial arts and see what is your, what is your take on it and what role it plays. Uh, well, I think, you know, sexuality, it, I mean, sex appeal itself. So, um, you know, if you're talking about, like, the, like, the, what's the word for risque pictures? Is that, you know, if you're talking about, like, pictures that are, like, sexy and, um, you know, are, are, is that what you're asking about, like, that kind of stuff for for women? Having yeah. To... Risque is okay. probably the best word for it, you know? Like, um, <laughs> yeah, risque is a good word as any. I, I think that of most of the pictures that I've seen um, in female mixed martial arts have been done with taste, but they do have yeah. the sexual aspect of it because they are um, just of that nature. But I, I, I think that. You know, really, I mean, that's not what MMA, of course, is all about or how we should be seen as, but I think that it sells and it gets, it catches people's eye because, you know, if you're looking through, you're looking at these photographs of these women who look extremely sexy and beautiful at the same time, you're like, there's no way that girl can fight. And then when you see them fight, you know, it makes you even more intrigued by them. And I know that I have some risque 
pictures. I've had a few photo shoots, you know, where, uh, you know, it's like, it's implied nudity. It's not, and it's not nude, but implied. And I mean, it, it really, I, you know, I hate to say it, but it is kind of like, it, it really helped my career out a lot after I had like, uh, one of those photo shoots. I don't know why it is, but it did get me noticed more. Um, you know, because people were like, Hey, this girl, you know, she's, she's, attractive and she can kick ass too and i think that that made more that made people more interested because really like once i once i took i had my photo shoot like I, like i mean it went all over social media and people started noticing me and then i got i started getting xfc was wanting to sign me and i did sign with xfc and then i ended up you know that fell through and then i ended up signing with Invicta. so i mean like doors just started opening up and i think that and you know, i don't think it hurts women at all um, to take photo shoots like that. I think it, you know, it's intriguing. Yeah. Know. I mean, I love to look at Ronda Rousey photos, you know, because, I mean, like, wow, she is so pretty, and she is such a badass, too, you know. I mean, it's, you know, she's very intriguing, and people, you know, they like to, they like those photo shoots. Yeah. Everybody looks forward to a Ronda Rousey photo shoot for Maxim or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, I think what's powerful is the duality of it. That like some, and the duality of it is something that men athletes can't replicate. They can't do it. Yeah. No, there's the best that I've seen in, in MMA for males is like the guy will get in the ring and he's wearing his shorts and he's got his tattoos and he's talking trash, but then he goes to the press conference with a three-piece suit. That that's his that's his far left and right. Yeah. Like Conor McGregor. It's yeah. hard for men to sell themselves, and that's kind of how they have to do it. You know, I mean, Conor McGregor is great at doing what he does, and he's selling tickets. I mean, it's not like he can go and take, like, a photo shoot, and everybody would be like, oh, Google out all over him. It doesn't work that way for men, unfortunately. They have to work a little bit harder <laughs> to get recognized. Well, it's about time we work harder for something, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. No, it's good. It's just good. Um, yeah, I, I think the duality is important. I think it's, um, it shows, you mentioned it earlier that a, a woman can be feminine and still be strong. She can go kick ass when the bell rings and still mm-hmm. like a lady, right? Right. Well, that's a huge right, Exactly. Yeah. So you are coached by your significant other, your husband. Yes, I am. And know Donnie Aaron. I've met Donnie, great guy, great coach. Um, let's talk about that a little bit because that's got to have some interesting. Um, it's got to have. It's got. It has to have um, some benefits to it that that most people wouldn't have because that person knows you more intimate than anything else. It also have has to have some inherent challenges. What are some? Yeah. Of the, yeah. What are some of the challenges that you notice? And we'll we'll go to the benefits, of course. Okay. Uh, challenges is, you know, he's my husband and he coaches me. So, I mean, uh, he expects more from me, more than anybody else he coaches. So he's harder on me than he is anyone else. And, um, you know, it, everybody else at the gym, once they leave the gym, you know, they can go and do their own thing. But once him and I leave, I mean, it's like, it's still constant. I'm still being coached even, even once we're home. I mean, he's, Telling me what to eat and telling me when to take my protein shakes, taking me to telling me to um, eat this and drink that, uh, like constantly going over everything that I did in the gym, 
during the day what I could have done better, you know, if he was happy about something or if he was unhappy about something. Um, or he's, he's going over footage with me at the house, want me to watch this and uh, view that. Or he's, he's going over a game plan, even though we're like months away from a fight, you know, he's, he's thinking about the fight constantly. Mm. He, he's, he's always like telling me, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. And if she does this, you need to do that. So, I mean, you know, everybody else at the gym, they go home and they get to relax and they take a break from it. They can ease their mind. I come home and I'm still, like, it, it's still grueling. I'm still, like, I might as well still be at the gym, you know. So <laughs> him and I, we, we don't have, we don't make too much time. We don't have time for the husband and wife part of our life because we're always at the gym, always, always training and preparing for the next fight. And... Um, you know, I mean, I guess that's, that's, that's a huge challenge that we have, you know, is, is trying to make, you know, find time for, uh, for us, for ourselves. We don't, we don't ever have time for ourselves really. Um, so. If the upside of that is. The upside is that I get, I get extremely good training and, you know, he's constantly making sure that I'm doing everything right. You know, I've, We've had some, and we've had some, a few fighters here uh, training with, uh, with us that are going to be, you know, fighting, you know, on the Invicta card coming up, you know, and I just, just listening to their stories, you know, of how they have to cross train and they have to go to all these different gyms to uh, find a good coach and to find training partners. It's, it's difficult and it's not easy. And for me, I have, I have all that I need at my gym. You know, and if I don't have it, then Donnie's gonna Donnie's gonna make sure that I get it. Um, but for the most part, I mean, Donnie's been able to work with me and teach me everything that I know. And you know, he'll he'll reach out to other fighters and he'll bring them in. You know, we'll let them stay at our house. You know, and I got training partners coming in and out all the time. So I mean, he makes sure that I get everything that I need to prepare for my my fights and to make me better. So I guess, and that's the upside of it. He, yeah. he makes me a better fighter. Mm. You know, yeah. he's so invested. He's so invested in me, and all he, he thinks about, you know, is, is me. I mean, he's like, I mean, he, I know that he, he didn't get to. I mean, he, he, he had a long career. He lived a long fighting career. He did, but he didn't get to finish his fight career because of some unfortunate things that, you know, kind of put his career, um, you know, at a at an end. You know, so he gets to live vicariously through me. So, I mean, he's living through me, but he's also, like, invested in me. And he makes sure, you know, he, he wants me to be successful. And, and he wants to be successful with me. You know, he's my coach. You know, we, you know we're, we're uh, doing this together. And so, you know, he takes it extremely serious. And um, he's made me a really, really great fighter. I can't complain too much. <laughs> <laughs> Not too much. <laughs> Not too much. So, yeah. oh, I good. mean, I appreciate everything that he's done. I'm, <laughs> I gotta, I'm forcing all that out of my mouth right now. Cause I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't give him enough compliments. I don't, I guess, because him and I were always at each other's throats because he's always on my ass about everything. Right. So, <laughs> but, I, but I mean, you know, like I can't really complain because, you know. Well, he he will. Sometimes he's right about things. 
sometimes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, he will listen to this podcast and he will appreciate the uh, compliment that you just gave him. Shit. I doubt it. He'll be like, you sound like shit. That was the worst interview that I've ever heard. You should have said this and you should have said that. And I mean, I'm serious. Like, every time that I give an interview, it's like the same thing. Like, even after I fought, if I win, you know, you should have done this and you should have done that. So, same thing with my interviews. You should have said this. And I would have said this. <laughs> Coach to the very end. Yeah. Coach to the very end. That is so very true. I've had Donnie, uh, he's messaged me before. Um, and, like, asked about, like, upcoming fights in New York. And he's like, damn, it's hard to find her a fight. And feel like, you know, they either want to mess her up with, like, some girl that has 100 fights or the girls don't have enough fights and they're ducking her. And, they like, yeah. he's, he's working when he's out of the gym trying to find you. Uh, yeah. So that, that's got to be uh, pretty interesting dealing with it at home. He is. He's constantly marketing me through social media. He helps me with a lot of things on there. And, and, you know, he's constantly trying to find me a fight. He's working on my next opponent. He's, I mean, it's like, even if I have a fight lined up, he's already scheduling the fight fight even after that fight. You know, I mean, he's just constantly trying to build my record and, and, and market me and get me the sponsorships that I need and get me, get my name out there. Yeah. And you, um, he does. you're coming off of a, a camp with, a lot of female fighters as your training. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, I am. I am. Uh, this this month has been very busy. We've been having girls come in. Um, actually, this this week has been crazy. Uh, started with Sharon Jacobson flying in. Uh, she flew in from Colorado. Sharon Jacobson is a world class wrestler. I mean, she is you know the best of the best. She trains at at the Olympic Training Center, and, you know, she's even, you know, made it all the way to the Olympic trials, and she's trying out for the Olympics again. So, you know, I mean, she's she's good enough to try out for the Olympics. You know, she's amazing. And she came to work with me, and uh, I really, really like Sharon. But she came in on, on a Friday. She came in Friday. And then Friday afternoon we had... Uh, Jingy Frey and then Montana Stewart and then from Dallas they train at uh, you know Team Takedown and um, and, and Moeller um, and then Saturday night we had Amanda Bobby Cooper you know she's fighting on the Invicta card as well and her her boyfriend uh, James Gray and then they had two other people come down with them uh, Jen Palmente and also their their other their training partner Brian and my house is packed right now. I mean I'm rambling on, but I mean like I'm just I'm getting all the names of everybody that's here right now. Like my house has been packed. We've already had a you know, Jen Jeannie Spray, Montana Stewart left, Sharon Jacobson left today. But I mean we've had a grueling weekend of just training hard nonstop. I mean it's like wrestling, wrestling, boxing, boxing. Sprint sprints and two miles this and more sprints here and more wrestling and more boxing and kickboxing stuff. Inspiring. I mean, it's just been absolutely grueling. Wow. But it's really, really great training too. So, yeah. You know, and we're we're all we're so excited that we're all in the same car together. I mean, I, I can't wait. You know, I was saying bye to Sharon, and we're like, well, we'll see each other in just a couple of weeks. You know, and then we'll get to party and hang out afterwards. There we so, go. There we go. Yeah. What is it like training with with other females? Because I um I know that 
the, the typical thing is I've, I've, I've coached female fighters and athletes before. We had one of the uh, largest female Muay Thai and MMA teams on the East Coast for a while. And there's always the saying of, you know, well, because I train with guys, I have this advantage. Of course, every female trains with guys. But there was right. something distinctly different of training with another female who is competitive and athletic. I think that training with guys will make you tough, um, but but it's not giving you a real look at what you're going to face in competition. I think that once you get to train with girls, you know, you're, you're you get to feel out like their you know your strength level. I mean, you, you, I mean it, it's more beneficial to train with girls than it is to train with guys. And I really enjoy it whenever I have girls to train with because you know the sparring is. You know, you get a more, you get a better, more real look at, you know, when you're sparring with how your your fight's gonna look. You know, I mean, you can't spar with a guy and, it's, I mean, you know, they they're either taking it like really easy on you or they're beating you up. So I mean, you know, it, it's it's, I don't know, it's not always beneficial. You know, I just think it makes you tough. Like like I said, training with guys just makes you tough. But once once you get girls with you, you know, you can actually get uh, a better opportunity um, of training with what, you know, your real competition is going to be like. Right. Like, even with guys, I when I was fighting, um, the litmus test was always the, the, the point when I could spar with another welterweight. Like, I fought at 170 pounds, and I had guys mm-hmm. that heavyweights, and then I had middleweights, and then I had some of the lightweights, and... Anytime you were sparring with them, there was always some type of um, creativity that was going on. The lightweights had to take the power down or the power up a mm-hmm. little. Heavyweights had to take their power down. But as soon as I got right. a, a welterweight, I was like, okay, this is the true test. This is where I'm actually at at my weight class. It's got to be the same for, for sparring females, I would assume. Yeah. Exactly the same thing, you know. And then... You get to you get to feel their power, you know the power, you know you get to feel a girl's power, you know, and their strength, and and you know it's way different than than when you spar with a guy. So I enjoy it a lot whenever I have girls to train with. Like Andy, when when she she came to train with me, like I was I was so happy, I was so thrilled. I was like, yes, I finally got a girl to train with, you know, you know, and a, and a girl that I can actually spar with, you know, get better look, and it just it just you know, our bodies are different than guys' bodies. So it's just so much nicer to have females coming and training and and having all these, these high-talented girls coming and working with me. And, you know, I mean, I don't know. It's just impressive. You know, it's so nice that I have the opportunity to have these, these elite athletes, you know, want to come and train with me in little old Shreveport, Louisiana. You know, I mean, it's... It's very flattering, you know, that they think that much of me to want to come all the way out here to train with me and to train with my coach, you know, so I uh, really so appreciate it. That says a lot about um, what you've done with yourself and, and, and how you built yourself up as a, as a fighter in our community. And one thing I really admire um, about, about your social media presence is that you show a lot of um, bonding and uplifting of other female athletes where what I've noticed typically from a lot of female athletes is like the tearing down or attacking mm-hmm. other other females. 
Um, do you see that as as a, as a thing that happens quite a bit in, in the community, or do you see more bonding starting to occur? I don't know. I think that I think the girls. I think that a lot of girls have been bonding more. I've I've been seeing more bonding. I don't. I mean, I do see some, you know online you know sometimes where where girls are kind of snobby towards each other you know and and I've heard some negative things but for the most part I think that like most female fighters are really cool like I, I've gotten along with like almost everybody that I've ever met in the in the women's MMA world and also a lot of my opponents I mean I don't have a negative thing to say about any of my opponents in the past like I mean everybody's pretty cool. Nobody likes to lose, but they're even, I mean, even then, like after, after, you know, you've won or you lost a fight, you know, you can, you, you can still be friendly and, and end up training with each other afterwards. So I think that there is a lot of bonding going, especially after a fight. You know, you do a lot of bonding whenever you, you fight each other and you've been punched in the face by each other. <laughs> <laughs> For most of the world, that sounds like, a really weird thing, but anyone who's ever fought or trained in um, combative sports knows that that is the, the truest statement that can ever be told. Yeah, it's so weird, but it is so true. <laughs> you don't know someone until you fight them, really. Yeah, and you don't really respect them until after you fought them. I don't know why. It's not, I mean, I'm not saying that you don't respect them. I mean, I do res- I respect everybody, but I mean, I don't know. It's just different after you fought them. It's like, you know, because there's so much building up before the fight. You know, you want to, you want to, you want to hate them. You want to, you want to not like them before the fight. You know, and it's really hard to like not like somebody that you don't even know. But then once you get in the ring with them, you fight them. It's like you know them now, and it's okay to be friendly. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 uh, one of the uh, greatest paradoxes of the of the human condition that we can. <laughs> that <laughs> you can actually do that and get in front of another person and try to turn your lights out and at the end of the day you become like best buds yeah awesome and it happens often yeah so we always end our podcast with with a question um and the question is if you were to pass on three words of advice that would help anyone listening to this embody like the warrior spirit and like the modern mm-hmm. day, what would those three things be? Um, be determined. Um, you know, be determined at anything that you, you do, you know, never give up and stay focused, I guess. Stay focused. Uh, yeah. Stay focused on your dreams and, you know, just, just focus on what you want in life. And be determined and, you know, don't give up and, you know, keep trying until you, you finally succeed at something that, you know, you love. Uh, for me, it's what I do now. I didn't, I was a lost, I was, I was lost there for a long time, you know. I, I was like, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And I certainly didn't think that this was going to be what I was going to do. But once I started, you know, I didn't give up and I, I'm, I'm, I stayed determined and, you know, things have finally started to pay off, you know, and, and I always, I never said that I couldn't do it. I just, you know, I, I, I just, I just wouldn't give up. I don't know. That, I guess that's what I would say. <laughs> I'm sure there's some better words out there that I could choose, but uh, that's what came to mind. Well, the wonderful thing about talking to a fighter is that you're very 
concise about what you say. It doesn't have to be 20 words to get to it. Being, de- being determined, staying focused, and never giving up are three powerful statements to anyone who's trying to move forward in their life. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you for having me on the show tonight. Oh, I, I'm, this has been a pleasure for me. I mean, I, Andrea, you've been, you came under the uh, MTU or multi-university as a coach. That was something I wanted to ask you. Like, as a person who was a professional fighter with the accolades that you have, why did you seek out mentorship in teaching? What was uh, the driving factor in that? Because there's a lot of guys, for example, who fight and mm-hmm. so they 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 just open up gyms and they don't necessarily need any type of accreditation or anything like that in order to teach um, accreditation. Sorry, my, my words are losing me today. Um, I'll get punched in the head every now and then too. So, okay. <laughs> but uh, but why 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 seek out um, mentorship in teaching at at your level? Well, because I mean. Um, my husband and I, we were on a gym together, and he relies on me to teach a lot of classes. And not only that, but when you, you know, when you teach something, it makes you better at it. And I, I, I feel like, you know, by becoming a better coach, I, I become a better fighter. And if, if I'm able to coach it and teach it, then I know that I can do it. And uh, I've always wanted to be a personal trainer. And I, I never thought that I would be a personal trainer, trainer in martial arts, but um, I really, really enjoy it. And, you know, I think it's it's way better than like lifting weights all the time and teaching, showing someone how to how to curl a bar or a dumbbell or something. So I I I, I think that it's just you know there's there's a lot that you can get out of of training and being a coach. You know, and I hope that I can be. I want to. I mean, I am a coach. I'm a Muay Thai crew. And I want to be known as a really good coach. And by being a good coach, you know, I need to I need to get certified and and learn, you know, the true ways of martial arts. So yeah, there's um there's definitely a skill set that's different for teaching than there is for fighting. There's like a, a language and a way of being that that's different. And sometimes they play, sometimes they go hand in hand, right? Like sometimes some Fighters are, are great coaches, while um, others aren't. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely, you definitely embody what it is to be a crew and, and a teacher in, in Muay Thai, and, and we're very honored to have you. And I will say this: that yeah. Andrea was the first one to wear the uh, the Mong Kong the way the, the 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 traditional warriors used to wear. So in her fight going against um, Roxanne Modafferi, she wore it around. Uh-huh. Yeah. So if you guys. People don't know the history of it, but Hong Kong is the traditional headband that the tides wear when they go into when they used to go into battle or when they go into the ring. But when they wore it in battle ceremonially, they would wear it around their neck rather than their head because naturally it would fall off their head. And so Andrea, who wears a cowboy hat to the ring, <laughs> head, but she wore the Hong Kong around her neck, which was like a true honor for me because I, I got to watch it on TV. I had all my friends piled up around the TV to watch her fight, and uh, she Aww. wore it. Which is really cool on my part to be able to see that. We're we're really proud of you. We're proud to see you do your thing and represent Muay Thai well. Well, thank you. You know, I'm so honored. You know that I get to be a part of your team and that I'm a crew under you. So, you know, it's definitely an honor. And you know, I wouldn't want it. I wouldn't want to be uh, 
recruit under anyone else other than you. You know, you're such a great person, such an inspirational person. And I enjoy talking to you. And I really, really hope that, you know, we'll get to, to hang out again sometime soon. Hopefully you'll get to come on down to Shreveport or maybe I'll get to come up there. Yeah, you know? either way. Either way. Uh, it'd, be, it'd be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Um, when's your fight? September 12th in September. Kansas City. Kansas City. Yes. All right. And if anybody wants to get in contact with you or your gym, what are some contact points? Email or email or website. Um, well, you could always message me on Twitter at Andrea KGB Lee, or um, also Facebook. Message me on my fan page at Andrea KGB Lee, and um, you know I'll you know we'll, we'll certainly get back to you. You know. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess that's it. I mean, I don't want to give out my. I mean, I was going to say my number, but never mind. I'm not going to give out my phone number. But yeah, you, <laughs> you can contact me through social media. Yeah, we give out your phone number. You'll never get a chance to get into the rain train. So <laughs> let's, not, let's not do that. And the the gym you train at Karate Mafia, which is one of the coolest names for a gym I've ever heard. By the way, so, thank you. Love the name. Of I it. didn't. I didn't come up with that. That was Johnny. Yeah. Yeah, I remember Donnie telling me it. I was like, wow, that's cool. Says Karate Mafia MMA? Yes. Yes, Karate Mafia. Uh, Well, just Karate Mafia. Karate Mafia. Mafia. And I'll have this all on the show notes. When you go to the webpage and pull it up, you'll see this under the show notes. You'll see Andrea's Twitter. You'll see her fan page. And you'll see the the website. Um, Andrea, it's truly an honor to have you on the show Good hunting on September 12th. I never tell any of our fighters good luck because luck is for people who don't train, and you definitely train your tail off, and we will be watching you and rooting for you, and um, go do your thing. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) All right, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, embrace the warrior spirit in anything and everything that you do every day. This is Buck Grant signing off. (laughs) 